Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. I want to have a barking contest. It's Wes. This is the, the Wes Bulldog Bryant. What you got? It's so much better. It's the best. And Walker. This is Fiddy's bark. If Fiddy was a dog behind a fence, would you enter this cage? Go ahead, Fiddy. Show him your bark. <laughs> that was sensational. I don't know if I can beat that. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ NFL Combine. Going to get going tomorrow from Indianapolis, and it's going to be fun as always. People like to call it the underwear Olympics, whatever the case may be, but I still get caught up in the 40 times and the vertical jumps and all of those things. Wow, I do not feel like that makes a player, though. I never get caught up in the combine warrior and saying, oh, I want my team to draft said player. I think that this event simply uh, is a supplement to game tape. And if you've got a guy that's a baller and then they come in and get the job done at the combine, uh, I think that that can lead you down the road to success with the prospect because I think where the combine comes in, too, is that if you've got really good game tape and you're a really good player and then you come in and light it up at the combine, it tells me how serious do you take your job. Uh, it tells me that you are a young professional in the making. You understand the moment. You understand what it means. And you're out there and you're about your business. And so that, to me, is the main takeaway I get from the combine when a top prospect whose tape matches up uh, with his workout I get excited by that. But the North Carolina schools are going to be well represented. Also, the city of Charlotte is going to be well represented. There are going to be five prospects at the NFL Combine that are from Charlotte and some of the surrounding areas. When you talk about the Charlotte participants, there's Cedric Gray from North Carolina, Drake May from North Carolina, Devontae Walker. From North Carolina. Then you have Malik Mustafa, defensive back from Wake Forest. That's a sleeper man out there at that safety position, not just because he's a demon deke man, but he's only like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, at that safety position. But he packs a wallop, and he's a member when they used to call uh, Maurice Jones Jew muscle hamster. That's what type of kid we're talking about here. He's probably 5'7", 5'8". Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Doug, Doug, Doug Martin was yeah. muscle hamster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys probably about 5'8", but he's probably about 200 pounds, not an ounce of fat on him. Uh, then you got Delmar Glaze, an offensive tackle from Maryland, uh, from the Charlotte area. Sam Hartman, of course, they list him from Charlotte, even though he went to Davidson Day. Then you got kids from Shelby and Durham, Columbia, Malden. So the Carolinas will be well represented uh, at the combine. But let's start first with uh, which positions will we be paying attention to uh, the most in this draft? Walker, I'll let you start it off. I mean... Probably wide receiver, like usual, because I fall in love with those guys all the time. And if people are already talking about how this could be one of the best wide receiver classes that we've ever seen, then, yeah, I'm going to be paying attention a lot to that. I know that probably falls on deaf ears because we've heard that a couple of times. 
But I do think we're just not done trending upwards with the kind of talent at wide receiver that continues to roll through here in the NFL. We weren't having this conversation about wide receiver last year, right? Like, I only think that that type of praise is reserved for the classes that actually deserve it. We did have this conversation a couple of years ago when, what was it, Justin Jefferson was in the 20s. I think Henry Ruggs was drafted top where the ability was there. We don't have to talk about what he did off the field. But then there were a couple of other players that were drafted high enough. And, hell, I mean, maybe that was even, I think that was the Jamar Chase draft too. Maybe I'm sorry. Either way, we had a couple of years ago where that class was also considered so good. Man, people love Malik Neighbors. People think he would be a normal top wide receiver taken if it wasn't for the generational Marvin Harrison Jr. Romeo Adunze, I think Daniel Jeremiah put him out as a top five prospect in all of the NFL draft in front of a Drake May, in front of a Jaden Daniels and some of these other quarterbacks that you might like too. I, the wide receivers, if you can just gain a little separation, no pun intended, on some of these guys that you're going against in the combine and in, in this NFL draft, then like a faster 40 time, quicker agility, where are the explosive traits? That's what I'm going to be paying attention to quite a bit. Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking out the offensive linemen. Uh, and when you talk about the Carolina Panthers, I saw an interesting question online. They had a list of prospects to see which one would Panthers fans be most interested in drafting. And I think a guy that's a local prospect, but also a guy that could be uh, in the neighborhood for the Carolina Panthers is Graham Barton from Duke. And he's listed as a center, and I guess they're going to project him to move to that position as he gets to the NFL. But we know that he was one of the best left tacklers in all of college football at Duke. Uh, you do see him in some first-round mocks, but this is a guy that could end up falling uh, to the Panthers at that number 33 spot. And I think if he does, it would behoove them to draft him. So I want to see what Graham Barton uh, is going to do. But from a pure fan perspective, uh, you know, I love to watch the skilled guy positions. The running back class isn't phenomenal, but I'm going to be looking – like you, Walker, at the wide receivers. Uh, I want to see what they're going to be able to do. I'm wondering now, I, I'm getting excited, wondering if Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to run the 40. Uh, also, Roman. He's not it. going to, apparently. So, Marvin Harrison. He's just showing up. And he, he doesn't really need to I do anything. I don't think he's going to do anything. Yeah, like, he doesn't really day, need though. to. So, I'm so I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, you're I good. think we have some news about Marvin Harrison. I can look it up just to make sure we'll get drum on it. But I think Marvin Harrison isn't doing combine, isn't doing 40 time, any of the events there, You're and correct. also isn't even going to do a pro day because he's so sure that he's going to go ahead and get one of those top spots. Maybe after the quarterbacks go, then it's Marvin Harrison, maybe even while some of the quarterbacks are available. But yeah, Marvin, Marvin said he's good. I don't need to prove anything. Go watch the tape. I don't need to do the whole quote unquote underwear Olympics type thing. Not a thing. Pro day, nothing, not even in a controlled environment. That's how sure he is where he's going to get drafted. Yeah, you're correct. He is not going to do any events at the combine, so I guess take that out. But I would have liked to at least seen him run his 40 and and, and just to see what he's going to run. I mean, even some of the Greg's Deion Sanders came out there and ran his 40 and told him, see you at the combine. So I'd love to see what Marvin Harrison Long really runs. Ago. When I watch him play, he looks like a mid 4-4 guy to me. Uh, but sometimes you get guys that surprise, but I want to see what he's going to do. And I also would like to see, uh, again, I guess with some of these guys, we got to put the disclaimer on there. If they participate, Brock Bowers, uh, what is he going to put up at the combine? How is his athletic testing going to go? Because I think he's probably a mid four or five guy at the tight end spot, but he could run, uh, even faster than that. And then with that said too, you know, with the quarterbacks, we're not sure a hundred percent 
on which quarterbacks are going to be throwing, who's going to participate uh, in different activities. But I want to see what the quarterbacks are going to do. And with Drake May going there, will he participate? Because we've seen in the last few seasons that some of the top quarterback prospects have come there and thrown uh, in drills. Now, you got to take it with a grain of salt because, again, they're throwing with receivers. They haven't had time to be able to get chemistry with them. So it's going to be uh, up and down. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I, you're good. I was just talking about with – so edge rushers, if we look at the combine and we look at how much some of these tests actually matter, I think defensive ends is one of the positions where it matters the most. And – if you look at the first round picks, there are GMs who just won't draft an edge rusher if you run anything less than like a four or five or a four six. Like if you don't get above a four six, then nope, they're not going to use a top 32 selection on you. And then even with some of these guys that are so athletic that, you know, maybe fall further down because their production might not be great. One guy that comes to mind, Wes, is Max Crosby. Max Crosby was drafted way further down in 2019. He was in the fourth round, and he was the fourth pick in the fourth round. But what was his athletic score combined at the combine? It was first of any edge. First in the 2019 combine. He had an 85 athleticism score. Like, when you talk about edge rushers, man, in the NFL, you can short, you can find some guys that are good enough rotation players, but if you're looking for your pro bowl or all pro guy, which is what you want to do in the first round, and then maybe find some of those players a little bit later on, then man, yeah, Max Crosby is that guy. Just kind of looking at where does athleticism, where do the where does the combine actually dictate some of the success for some of these positions? Yeah, and going back to the quarterback, so I've seen that Jaden Daniels won't throw, neither will Caleb Williams, but we will get some of the more upper echelon quarterback uh, that will throw because J.J. McCarthy, a prospect that's gaining a lot of steam uh, in this process now, he will throw uh, at the combine. Michael Penix Jr. will throw as well as Bo Nix. Spencer Rattler will throw as well. Drake May has not announced uh, if he will throw or not. And so we were talking about during the break that these quarterbacks are going to be broken down ad nauseum as they always are. And this is a pretty good quarterback class. I mean, you should be able to find uh, good backups at least probably into the middle rounds of this draft. But we talked about how Merrill Hodge uh, has come out and said that he would not draft Drake May in the first round and thinks that the commander should take Jaden Daniels uh, at two. And according to Merrill Hodge, he said, quote, he's extremely inconsistent. His processing is inconsistent. He's not extremely athletic. I find him more stiff. He's got a longer throwing motion, which allows more picks. And so since we haven't seen either way, if Drake May is going to throw at the combine, uh, do you think that he should? If there's something to gain, but I, if, if the arm... I think Drake May is going to have a really good throwing day. I think with Drake May, I I look, I don't see what Merrill Hodge sees obviously. Like I in fact, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of, he's going to be taken in the top 3, 4, 5 picks. Like he's not going to fall so far down to where Merrill Hodge is going to be correct and him not being drafted in the first round. Not only will he be a first rounder, not only will he be a top 10 pick, he'll still be a top 5 pick at the end of all of this because the tools are just too fascinating to watch. He had a better year, I think, his first season as a starter than he did last year, but I still think Drake May is talented enough to where he's going to be very good. I think he competes. I think the throwing session, people are 
So Daniel Jeremiah and some of the NFL analysts talked about C.J. Stroud having like an all-time throwing session, how good he was, you know, ball placement, velocity, all the types of NFL throws you wanted to see. It's funny because I heard Field Yates, Field Yates and Daniel Jeremiah saying the same thing about Drake. That's what they anticipate. When he goes up there and performs or has his throwing sessions, whether it's pro day or whether it's uh, combine, wherever he decides to do that, it's going to be that kind of wow factor from him. And Caleb Williams can make all the throws, too. There's a reason that he was considered this generational guy, maybe until this year, but even so, he's still going to be, in my opinion, the top quarterback selected. But people anticipate a great throwing session from Drake May whenever he takes the field and competes in that. Yeah, I think that Drake May should go and throw. Uh, I think that he doesn't have a ton to lose. I think even if he doesn't show well, people still aren't going to knock him that much. But I do think that he could have some momentum to be gained from this. I mean, he is looked at in this process is tied, I guess you could say, for the second best quarterback in this thing. Everybody's got Caleb Williams on that pedestal. But I think when you talk about Jaden Daniels and Drake May, those are the two quarterbacks that everybody thinks is going to compete for that second and third spot because there's rumors Minnesota's trying to move up to three uh, to get one of those guys. And so I think for Drake, if he wants to come out just to compete to show, hey, I'm the best guy in this draft, I think you can start with the combine because we know the workout's going to go pretty much uh, according to plan when you talk about your pro day. And so I think that's the interesting part in this whole deal. Uh, Fiddy, are you thinking that Drake May should throw? And is there uh, an ACC prospect or a local prospect that you're going to be excited to see what they do? Yeah, I, I want to see Drake go in and throw just because I want to see him compete. And, and maybe if he goes out there and wows with receivers that he doesn't have – you know, uh, that rapport with, yeah, yeah, that chemistry with maybe it'll, it'll remind that the likes of Merrill Hodge, that this guy's a generational <laughs> talent at the, at the quarterback position. Cause I still think that's, that's what Drake may is outside of him. Uh, I mean, of course I'll keep it local and keep it with my team. Interested to see what said gray does. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I, I thought he was a really, really good linebacker on a bad defensive team and had a good senior bowl too, if I'm not mistaken, and, right? and was phenomenal in the senior bowl. So this could be a guy that, you know, you'll look at the defenses and say, oh, he wasn't a good player. No, he was a really, really good player on a bad defense. And I think he can, he can surprise some people this weekend in Indianapolis. Yeah, two guys that I want to see when you're talking about from a local perspective. I think Peyton Wilson's going to go in that wreck shop. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to go in there. And I think athletically he's going to test really well. I think he's probably going to run in that low 4-6 range. I think he's going to put up good strength numbers. And I think his agility and athleticism is going to be really, really good. I, I think he's going to test really well. And I think he's going to do really well for himself. And then also I want to see Will Shipley uh, out of Clemson. He's another guy I think that will probably run in the mid mid four fives, but I can't wait to see uh, what he's going to do as well, because I think he has a chance to elevate himself. This isn't a phenomenal uh, running back class, and a lot of people have him uh, pegged as the second or third best running back in this class, and some people may have him the best, but I think this gives him an opportunity to really go out uh, and make some hay for himself, too, when you talk about this running back class. You can text in FanDuel text line 704-570-9610. 704 number writes in. How many guys are going to take the cognitive test? It's such a reliable tool in predicting quarterback success. <laughs> I would not do that if I was a prospect. That's one thing I would not do, man. I think that that's just so stupid. Uh, you know, I think that the game tape, I, like I said, I do enjoy the combine. I think that the athletic testing is a supplement to the game film, but I'm still a game film guy first. If you don't have it 
and you come in and you have this crazy workout that does not make me uh, want them on a team that I'm cheering for one way or the other or think that they are a star. But when we come back, it's the Live Wire with Josh, a.k.a. J.D., a.k.a. Fitty Marlowe on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Random clips from God knows what will show up on your timeline, surfing through Twitter, Facebook, any social media. And I have a sports science clip circulating around my timeline. You guys remember sports science? Yes, I loved it. Taco Trey Kirby on Twitter, great name, says, hey, do y'all remember when they had Kevin Love boxing out a sumo wrestler? And so I've been watching Kevin Love go right at it with a sumo wrestler in position, ready to roll. And Kevin Love holds his own, man. I mean, he gets into Kyle Filipowski against a Wake Forest student position and then is able to absorb that body blow and then get the rebound and slam it home. But I loved sports science growing up. They had a bunch of really fun experiments. And they tried to bring it back uh, for a little bit. John Brinkus? No, man. John Brinkus was great. Were you a little too young for sports science, or did you watch a little bit of that too, Fitty? Nope. I was, I was around. That was back when SportsCenter and ESPN was worth watching. You know, 12 hours a day. All right. How so. is SportsCenter not worth watching anymore? They still show highlights all because the time. The anchors are are terrible. I agree with some, with, with some of that, though. Some of the anchors do get on my nerves. But, yeah, but they had brought it back just a couple of years ago, but it didn't last very long. I get, Did we just not get enjoyment from it as much as we used to? Yeah, because I remember they had a full show. They used to have a full show. Yeah. They used to come on Bally's. Like, what, or I think at it was like, Fox. Was Fox, it was like Fox Sports or something. But then they stopped, and then they had the ones where they would do the short breakdowns on SportsCenter, and then they would have a little bit longer-form versions of them that they were doing recently. But I always enjoyed them, but, you know, man, most of the people, like you said, we want the nonsense. We don't want, we don't want the science. We want the nonsense. I, I wonder what experiments everybody remembers, and then they can text it to us on the FanDuel text line. A couple that come to my mind. I remember when they tried to dispute – the amount of time on the game clock that allowed you to get a legitimate shot attempt. So now, of course, we know the rule is anything less than 0.3, anything 0.3 or less on an NBA game, or I guess even college, you have to tip it in because they just, okay, there's no way that you can start it on time and then have the clock still give you some time to allow a, a real shot attempt. But so sports science took that to the test. And John Brinkus 
really the myth buster of sports. He said, nope. I think it was Jason Capono, too. I think that's right. Former Bobcat great who got off a shot like close to the half court line or the three point line with like point two. I remember that one. I also remember dudes chipping a golf ball through spaghetti, gelatin, and seeing how thick a surface could be for you to swing a golf club through it and then still be able to get that ball up in the air. Those were a couple of my favorites. Yeah, they did some cool ones. I like when they did the one with Larry Fitzgerald. Um, oh, where he's diving all over the place and catching footballs? I like Is that, that, that one. one. I like when they one. did uh, Jenny Finch and trying to hit, was it, I think they were doing, was it easier to hit a That's softball right. or a baseball? Ooh, that that thing was pretty drop. cool. Yeah, they, they, they did really interesting stuff, man. 704 writes in, sports science on whether love making the night before a game affects performance. I remember that one. I forgot about that one. <laughs> they, they, what an excellent memory. That show literally got a hotel room for a, I think it was a boxer or whoever, and said, hey, go to the Boom Boom room. You come in the next day, and then we'll measure your performance after you know what happened in the hotel room the night before, and we'll see if you still are able to give us that same energy. I think they disputed it, much to athletes' delight all across the board. I think that happened. Yeah, I'm sure they were excited about that. They were. John Brinkus <laughs> allowing people to do the boom-boom thing the That's night before. Right. It's an excellent thing. All right, Fiddy, take us to the live wire. I remember I read a uh, a boxing book by Teddy Atlas who who trained Michael Moore who won a heavyweight title in the 90s and whenever he went to camp he had to uh, quit lovemaking two weeks before the fight so not even just the night before two weeks he had to uh, oh, no. restrain I bet that was a lot of celebration after he won yeah I would think maybe um, I'm wrong. So Friday, we had the esteemed Mike K on from the Charlotte Observer. And we were talking about, is there a way to keep Frankie Louvu, Brian Burns, and Derek Brown on the same side of the ball? Can you pay all those guys? And he detailed how Carolina can do that this offseason. You've got the franchise tag to use on Brian Burns. If Brian Burns signs the $22.5 million deal or whatever it is right now, yeah, that's going to put a hindrance on your cap. But if you can work out a long-term deal, you can dramatically save money because, again, you can lower his cap number and his base salary and make up for it with a bonus you spread out through years of the contract. Now, I know that's like a lot of gymnastics there. It's just doable. The answer to the question is, yes, it's doable. Is it prudent? Depends on what the number is for Brian Burns. Walker, are you comfortable with taking care of all three of those guys, even if it means you don't address the offensive line or the wide the wide receiver position the way that you want to and you need to to get the most out of Bryce Young? Yeah, I guess right. Baked into all of that is how we want to. Well, how do we want to? If it's paying a top flight wide receiver then I guess that would be tough to do with bringing back Frankie Louvu, Brian Burns, and Derek Brown on an extension alongside the T. Higgins, Mike Evans type. And so maybe that's something that you would sacrifice. But the Panthers are going to benefit from this cap going up to where now maybe Brian Burns is going to help him too. He, more likely that he's going to get his asking price. But yeah, I have no problem keeping all of these guys in-house. Would love to see the Panthers keep a strength of strength. One thing that's always bugged me, and we've seen this a couple of times in previous regimes, is Carolina allowing some of their homegrown guys to walk and have success elsewhere. 
Think about how much that's happened, especially when you try to turn the page and rebuild. But even some of their younger stars will leave and go have success elsewhere. Look at Christian McCaffrey doing what he's doing with San Francisco. I don't even hate Carolina for trading Christian McCaffrey the way that they did. They gave him a second contract. It was criticized when they did so. But Christian McCaffrey has more success having an MVP type season with the 49ers on their way to a Super Bowl appearance. Look at DJ Moore. DJ Moore goes up there with Justin Fields, who Chicago might move on from, by the way, and puts up a 1,300-yard year because, well, all right, we're trying to go get a quarterback, and we just have to sacrifice some of the talent that we've already drafted. Brian Burns hits. I'd like to keep him around. Derrick Brown hits. When we all actually weren't sure of that the first two years, the dude got a healthy scratch his second season in the NFL. But now he's here, and I don't want to lose out on him. Frankie Louvu probably given where each of these players were is the shrewdest move that this team has made under the Scott Fitterer era because of how you were able to get him for absolutely nothing on the free agent market. And now he's the number one linebacker ranked by multiple NFL outlets. I would like to keep all of these guys as much as possible and then figure out what to do offensively from there. Uh, I think at this point you are able to do that because of where you're at as far as the rookie scale. You're not paying a ton of offensive talent. The Panthers don't have the most salary cap room, but they've got enough. And I think with what you will have to pay for these guys, now Frankie Louvre could be interesting because he's going to hit the open market and who knows what the offers are going to look like there. Brian Burns, we know if you franchise tag him, what that's going to look like. And then if you sign him to a long-term deal, you know, yet and still, if you extend all these guys, by the time it comes time to pay Bryce Young, if he turns into the player you think that he could be, these guys' contracts are going to be in spaces to where you're either going to have options or you can restructure them to be able to fit inside of your cap. So I think the Panthers should be all right if they're able to uh, secure Burns, Louvu, and Brown. The Hornets ended another long losing drought on the West Coast last night, beating Portland 93-80 to 80 in a game that felt like it was played in the 80s. We talked about their defensive improvements since trading away uh, you know, guys like P.J. Washington, Gordon, Gordon Hayward at the trade deadline. And after the win last night, Cliff talked about he wants that to be a part of the identity for this team moving forward. I think looking at it, I mean, before watching the film, but we're really like, guys are, you know, like we're good with our hands right now. We're getting deflections. Um, you know, we're locked into the game plan stuff. They're talking to each other. Um, and I think as much as anything, like hopefully that can be the start of an identity. You know, for so many new guys, we got to have things that, as you know, that you grasp onto, and, and hopefully the defense can be the beginning of that. Walker, it wasn't the identity for the team in the second half of the season last year, so much so that I ran a promo talking about the team playing defense for Cliff in the second half of the year. It appears they're doing that once again. As a fan, how much should you buy into this moving forward the rest of this year and carrying over into next year if Cliff is brought back while remembering that it didn't carry over to the start of the season? You should buy in because the team has changed so much. I've talked about how much of the rotation has changed. It's over 50%, at least when everybody's healthy. Wasn't necessarily the case last night because Seth Curry was out, Bertans was out. Of course, you still don't have LaMelo Ball or Mark Williams. But even when Mark and LaMelo were on the sideline, and then you had Seth and Davies Bertans go in there, you had five different guys that were getting, what, at least 15 to 30 minutes per game. And that's still happening. So the fact that you have Grant Williams, who can help you in some areas defensively, especially on the low post block, 
you have guys that care. Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges has tried to upgrade what he's been doing on the defensive end, too. Yeah, I think you can buy into it because it feels like the players at least have this refresh of a buying in on this message from Steve Clifford, and it's working out on the court as we speak. So, yeah, I think you can buy in. The question is, are the Hornets going to hire Steve Clifford another time and then hope that they avoid the injury, you know, bad luck that they've had the last couple of years? I sure hope it gets better. I, I couldn't expect it to get any worse, but I said the same thing last year, and here we are again. But, no, I think this is real. I think they're going to continue to play good defense. Uh, I'm going to buy in with a little bit of apprehension because we're getting to the point where we're getting a decent sample size. I mean, we're five games in with this new roster at this point. I think once we get to about eight to ten games, I think the book is going to be out on them and teams are going to start to be able to really have a beat on them as far as scouting goes with LaMelo uh, potentially coming back into the mix that will throw an extra weapon in there. But like I said, I, I think I think it stays. But like I said, I'm apprehensive. Once teams are really able to get the book on the Hornets and this new group, how they're going to defend them, how they're going to play them, what they're going to choose to take away, then I think we can really see what they've got. We opened the show talking about the court storming incident that took place in Winston-Salem. We played sound from John Shire. We played sound from Kyle Filipowski. We didn't hear what Steve Forbes, though, had to say. And here's what the Wake head coach had to say on the incident following the upset win over Duke. I didn't see what happened at the end. You know, I hope he's okay. Um, I don't like court stormings. Never have. I've been a part of those before as a coach. I just don't feel safe. Um, and I'm sure the next time that happens, we'll do a better job of, of uh, you know, taking care of that situation. Wes, what did you think of what your head coach had to say following his team's big win on Saturday? I mean, I think he said what he had to say. Obviously, I know coach doesn't want to see anybody get hurt, but I know uh, deep down he was probably pretty excited. The fact that he had to discuss this topic because that means he got a big behind win, or as Walker Mill would say, a big old win. Uh, he was able to get Is that, that. another thing I would say? Yeah, he got yeah. a big old win, and his team uh, got their court stormed. And so I think he would love to deal with that problem any day than over the ladder, somebody asking him when is the next time you guys will have a court storming. I do think it was genuine, though. I don't think he was just saying it because, well, I should say it because. Yeah, I didn't think anybody, oh, I yeah. don't think he wanted anybody to get hurt, but I still, you know, he may not be a fan of court storming, but I'm sure he is when it's his team on the winning side. But no, that, but that's what I, I think even in the moment, if you saw Steve Forbes right after that game was over, it didn't feel like Steve Forbes, when he was shaking the hand of John Shire, and then I think you see Kyle Filipowski get hurt, I'd have to go back and check. But it didn't feel like Steve Forbes was just neglecting what was going on on Duke's side. It felt like he was concerned about it and then talks about it at the podium. Because I can guarantee you, Steve Forbes would have something very similar to say like John Shire if the roles were reversed. I would Steve Forbes, not one to bite his tongue on some of the things that he has a problem with in college basketball. But to his credit, I mean, that's exactly what he said. He said, yeah, we need to make sure that these guys do have a healthy environment. And we need to make sure that we take care, uh, better care of that going forward. So I agree with Steve Forbes. Like, I totally hear him out on what he's saying. All right, let's play some fun national audio. Last night, the Nuggets got a big win in Golden State. And after the game, uh, Nikola Jokic addressed not getting anything for his birthday from his teammates. 
Your birthday was last week. These guys get you anything? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Bad teammates. Bad teammates. Terrible teammates. Terrible teammates. Yeah. Well, Nicola, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, back to you. Man, George, you would have think that one of his teammates would at least buy him a new horse or something. I mean, <laughs> one of those new trotters. All right. So remember last year during the finals, we kind of got on Nikola Jokic because he didn't seem to show much personality. Kind of didn't didn't want to go to the championship the championship right here he is now joking about his teammates not getting him anything for his birthday, but I think the question has to be asked: What do you get a man who already has everything in the world? We know that a NBA vacation is at least two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So what are you giving Nikola Jokic for his birthday? What do you think, Wes? Uh, I mean, you know. He's a very no-frills kind of guy, so I'm sure there are a lot of things. I'm sure he would be easy to shop for. I mean, you get him a nice watch, or uh, you can always never go wrong with going with something that uh, notes one of his accomplishments. If you want to get him something cool, like a picture or something like that. So, I don't know. I I think he'd be pretty easy to shop for. Like a dope photo, uh, like what Travis Hunter's girlfriend got him with the starting lineup type of deal. Something surrounding his career, something you... Jokic wouldn't be hard to me. Okay. Yeah, you answered that real. Like, you were like, oh, we'll get him a nice photo. I'm a great yeah. gift getter. Okay, so. there you go. I wouldn't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't you say that about me. Don't you dare say that about me. Great gift getter is Walker Mail. Thank you. And thank you very much. What I find hilarious about this is I, I almost feel like teammates of Nikola Jokic should treat him like an offensive lineman. Like the quarterbacks do and the running backs do when they get all their offensive line, some awesome Jordans or big green eggs, such as Christian McCaffrey did for his offensive line one year. Nikola Jokic makes everyone better. In fact, I would love to know the Jokic effect on how much money Bruce Brown got on his contract when he signed with the Pacers and was really the only big departure from Denver's organization. And he got over $20 million. I love Bruce Brown. Great glue guy. But over $20 million? Probably a little too much, but it's one year. Who cares? I thought it was a, a decent contract. I would love to know the Jokic effect on how much money he gets. And if the players are telling you he's got eyes in the back of his head, he can see wherever I am. Aaron Gordon has been so good for them. I feel like they should almost treat him like an offensive lineman. The problem is he gets all the stardom anyway. The idea for the offensive lineman is that they never get any of the love, and so he gets all of the love. He just still helps you out so much as a basketball player. Some NFL, some NFL news coming in from Adam Schefter. The Giants are not expected to tag Saquon Barkley. The running back tag number is $12.1 million. The Dallas Cowboys are not expected to tag Tony Pollard. The Titans are not expected to tag Derrick Henry. And the Chargers are not expected to tag Austin Eckler. Do any of these guys interest you in a potential incentive-laden deal to come to Carolina? Incentive-laden? Well, because, I mean, you're not going to pay... I mean, you're not paying running backs anymore. Derrick Henry's going to get a bag wherever he goes. If Tennessee's not giving him a bag, who's going to give him a bag? Somebody will. There's a contender out there that is going to pay... Just gonna pay for the services. He might not break the bank, but he's still gonna get a he's still gonna get a nice deal. Those are some really good backs to hit the market. What about the Cowboys giving Derrick Henry the bag? You want to see Derrick Henry in that back? Because a lot of people are saying they, that's exactly where he should go. They didn't trade for him at the deadline, and I know people got frustrated by it. Marcus Spears being one of them, saying this is what you should be going to do. As far as those guys and how they would fit with Carolina, Austin Eckler is the name for me because I I think I more agree with West on Derrick Henry's money. Like he's going to get a pretty good size contract. 
And Tennessee's just moving on because they're moving on. Yeah, they're just trying stuff. to change up the stuff. But, dog, he ran for 1160 last year with 12 tutties. And this is a guy the year before that, 1500, 2000 yards, uh, two years before that, 1500. I mean, he is a walking 1000. Well, he's a walking 11, 1200 yards. I just, what's the money look like if Miles Sanders signed a four year, $24 million contract and that was the most expensive contract? For our running back last season, what's a bag for Derrick Henry? Two years, sixteen million. I really- the ten mil. And and how long is it going to be too? Because this is the thing about Derrick Henry. He did play all seventeen games last year. This is someone that has led the league in rushing attempts four of the last five seasons, and he's thirty years old. As the saying goes, father time is undefeated, and we know how that running back ages, especially once you get to 30. And while he's still putting up the volume numbers, the yards per attempt, I believe, went down. They did. Actually, not that ma- not that bad. So I'll take that back for most of what I was saying there. 4.2, 4.4, 4.3 the years prior. And here he was at just a little bit below, but not enough to make a huge difference. I just think with Carolina, I don't want to shell out $10 million for Derrick Henry when we also have to do wide receivers for Bryce Young, offensive line. And if Eckler, who wasn't even getting all that much money with the Chargers at his production level, who is a much more receiving threat than what Derrick Henry is, Eckler is the guy that makes the most sense to me, especially at the kind of money. Derrick Henry's a better player, but you have to pay more for that better player. And that's not where I want to allocate my resources. I'd rather go after Eckler if he's willing to get paid what he should at his old age now and after losing that burst? Uh, I would think with a rookie quarterback, and if you can get some upgrades on that offensive line or even with the scheme change, get those guys to play better, I think Derrick Henry would be great for the Panthers. I don't know that he'd come here, but I think that's a workhorse back that could take a lot of the load off of Bryce Young. Uh, he's a guy that can still hit the home run with long runs. I think he flips field position as well. I think Derrick Henry would be a great addition uh, for the Carolina Panthers if they were able to sign him, especially in the 8 to $10 million range. I mean, you look at the guys at the top of the market. McCaffrey's making 16, Kamara's at 15. So I think Derrick Henry in that 8 to $10 million range, I think would be very reasonable. All right, that'll do it. We'll have the Wes and Walker walk off. A little bit of a new look here for Wes and Walker in the last segment of each day. Don't miss it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you challenging me to a walk-off? Oh, yeah. That's a walk-off challenge, my friend. This is how we're going to end the show from here on now. We're trying to give you a little bit more sauce at the end of each show. Instead of just say, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? And go Jungle Book style where the vultures are on the power line trying to figure it out. We got some structure. 
We finally got a little something going here in the last segment of the day. And so we're going to break it up into three categories, starting with the first one, the leftover takes. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? Usually we'll try to figure out what we want to say after a previous take that we had. Wes, is there any leftover takes that you want to put in the microwave, heat up a little bit, and then share with the people again? Or are you good for the day? Did you already eat your meal and you don't have anything left to give the people? Uh, I think uh, one of the big things that we talked about today was just Meryl Hodges' take on uh, Drake May. I found it interesting because this is a guy that's hit on uh, more than a few big-time prospects that a lot of people were drooling over. Uh, last year, he hit on C.J. Stroud being the only guy he would put a first-round grade on. Uh, we know the Manziel pick from the past, the Davian Clowney takes and things of that nature. So I feel uh, it's pretty interesting his take on Drake May and is definitely uh, trending on the Internet. I'll go with the Charlotte Hornets and going back to Golden State. I found that kerfuffle at the end. Kerfuffle the right word? I think so. I Scrum. like it. I like it. It's a first here on Wesson Walker that we've heard that thrown out. Are we sure? Man, I, I can't. I don't know. Maybe Fiddy can go back in the archives and see if anybody said kerfuffle <laughs> yeah, once upon a time. He records us all the time. I'm he does. Sure if he doesn't record us when we're at home. Um, yeah, that's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> that was even scarier. I didn't know that could be beat. I'm going to go back to that Golden State one because I do think that we're talking about something interesting with the way Miles Bridges handled that kerfuffle, right? You see... Uh, Lester Quinones go right into his face and say, you know, I'm here after Miles took uh, umbrage, if you will. Umbridges is what I called it on Locked On like Hornets. Right? Miles Umbridges. So he, he took umbrage to what <laughs> Quinones was trying to do, score at the very end, despite having the win already in the bag. And then afterwards, once it started to get a little too wild, Miles took a couple of steps away and said, no, I can't do this right now. I'm still a little too hot after being suspended the first 10 games of this season and, of course, not playing in any of the 82 that we played last year. Because think about how bad of a look that would be, even for me right now, after everything that I had gone through. And so I don't think that's the way Miles Bridges handles it before the arrest in the 2022 offseason. Before that, that was a guy that was here for all of the smoke out there on the court. And now you just got to be careful when you're picking your spots. We'll see if that continues. But just within a year of all this stuff happening and you seeing the court again, I thought that was something many people aren't talking about today that should be noted in how he handled it. Let's hit the next one. We're going to start giving you a random question of the day. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's do you want? I got a weird one for you. I'm looking at Fiddy for this one. Fiddy, you answer this one first. If you could look through someone's email without them knowing, would you do it? I do it every day. I thought you might because that email is open every single time that we go to the side studio. And I think it's Shroppy's. It is. I think you look at Shroppy's email. I do. Every single day. This is a random one, by the way. This was not some... Bone I had to pick with you, nothing like it. I just thought, oh, this one will be fascinating to see what Fiddy has to say, because I think he does it actively. If I do it to Shrop, um, <laughs> Flound has a couple of personal emails that he'll keep logged in. But now they know, and so you just, uh, the thing is, the caveat is without them knowing, you just don't care. You no, know, like, here's the thing. If I get to a computer and management is logged in, I, I immediately log out. But my fellow companions and, and board ops, nah, I'm reading your email. I think you would read mine. Look at Jeff standing outside the window. He's on to oh, you. Oh, program director. <laughs> He's sipping his coffee. Hey, you can't be the, the you can't be the station and not be all knowing. I'm all knowing. 
think that's a little intrusive. First, you laughed when Wes said you probably record us at home. And then you say, I have no problem reading your emails if they're open. Yeah, you're a problem. I'm just saying, if you ever get a teddy bear like uh, the Wolf of Wall Street delivered to your house, it's not just a teddy bear. There's a camera in there. Highly, <laughs> highly concerning. <laughs> highly concerning. Wes, you reading those emails if they're open? Nah, man. I try to stay in my lane, especially people's <laughs> private business like that. I'm going to log out. Uh, I don't want to see them. Well, that's that's what I do when I go to the side studio and I got to work on the computer every now and then or just like do these promos and it's right there. I'm like, ah, I'll let I'll let Shroppy close. Not that Shroppy is doing anything top secret over there. Right. But I still won't be looking at it. Here's the thing. I also know on the flip side, Colin has gone through my email. Oh, is that right? Because he one time sent a text saying, um, you need to go downstairs and delete some stuff and just log out your email so they don't find out some personal information. <laughs> so he found personal information. Yeah, he, he saw some things from the bank that I get, you know, I get my emailed my uh, my daily balance. Yep. And when I went down there, I was like, man, I see what he's talking about. Colin saw that he shouldn't be paying you that much. Is that what he saw? I think it's the other way around. Not paying me enough, but sure, that's probably what he was thinking. He's like, oh. All right, let's move on to the next one. What are we watching tonight? All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? Fiddy, I'll go back to you first again <laughs> on this one. North Carolina, Miami, I have to imagine the college basketball fiend will be cheering on his home team. Yeah, we better not eat any popcorn tonight. No Nigel Pack for the U. This game, this game should be over by halftime. And so that's what I'll be locked in and then doing the work for the Heel Tough blog afterwards. What you got, Wes? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, watching the same thing. I think Carolina's going to obliterate uh, Miami. I don't see this one being close at all. But I'll still be watching that and uh, Monday Night Raw, man, the aftermath of Elimination Chamber. So it should be pretty lit. I guess I'm interested just because this is at home. You guys are pretty confident that Carolina will destroy Miami. Is that where what's going on? Or it's just because I when we've talked about Miami in the past, Usually the mood is Miami still has some talent. They still are playing decent enough to where they're in close games, I guess. But Nigel Pack, is that the big reason why you think this is going to be over so soon? Six straight losses for Miami, four straight on the road. They've been getting rocked. And they lost at home to Georgia Tech. Look, going to Atlanta, tough. Carolina Duke learned that the hard way. But Georgia Tech hasn't been leaving Atlanta and beating anybody. But they went to uh, Coral Gables and gave them an L on Saturday. So, How surprised are you by Miami season? Yeah, I've been very surprised. I mean, they did lose some big guns in Jordan Miller and uh, uh, what's my man, Isaiah, Isaiah Wong. Wong. They lost two guys with that. I didn't think it was going to hurt them that bad because I felt like Miami had so much momentum going, and I thought they had enough guys back with Omir and uh, with Nigel Pack and some of those guys. I wasn't sure they were going to have the same type of success they had last year, but I thought they'd certainly be better than this. I mean, they're expected. Well, they're two games above 500 right now, and they have three games left in the regular season. They're probably expected to finish 500 before conference tournament play, right? If you have them losing on the road at Florida State and, of course, losing against North Carolina, maybe beating Boston College. But I did not have them pegged for a team that wasn't going to make the big dance. Yeah, me and they're neither. Not, not, not going to get close. And they've been getting blown out as of late. Terrible. Terrible. That, that was weird. Rem didn't you have a problem? I think we talked about this. Where there were a few seasons in a row where Coach Laranega didn't have Miami in the NCAA tournament, and I think I referenced Old Walker contemplating should Miami move on from uh, Laranega, yeah. and then you had a real problem with it, and of course they come back and they make the Final Four last year. Yeah, so. no, Coach L is still one of the all-time yeah. greats. He's one of the best in the ACC. 
And uh, they're not as disappointing as Carolina was last year, but it, right. this might be the most disappointing season in Miami history. Especially with what we thought was going to happen. I'm, yeah. I don't think that's crazy. And then wrestling tonight, what should we be watching for if we're going to watch wrestling? <laughs> the number one matchup. Well, we're on the road to WrestleMania, man, so things are just going to yeah. continue to pick up every single week with uh, The Rock and Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes and all the storylines heading into WrestleMania because pretty much all the matches are set after Elimination Chamber and so it's just going to be a lot of trash talking and a lot of unexpected events. People getting jumped. You know the normal uh, business for wrestling. You know It's okay to jump people in wrestling. I was going to say, you're going to go to the foul line on these people. I don't think so. <laughs> It'll be a little bit different. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. We'll be back with you tomorrow as we are every single weekday from 12 to 3 and we'll give you a little inside look at Dan Morgan, his work ethic if that's something that can bring the Carolina Panthers to the promised land. Again, we'll be back with you tomorrow on Sports Radio 92.